welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to be wrapping up our sermon series this week. Uh, We've been in a sermon series called Made New. We've been it for a number of weeks. If you've been through the whole series with us, you would know that we began with the concept that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. We've talked about having new life in Christ. We've talked about our new identity because of who we are in Christ Jesus. PK talked about how to be renewed or made new in the way that we think uh, in our minds. And we've also looked at last week as Pastor Cameron talked about how to be made new in our desires and the priorities of our life, aligning those things with the things of God. And many of those things have to do with what is understood as transformation, a process where you are transformed from one to the next. Um, And when I moved to Sterling, uh, when uh, Beth and I came here, uh, I was 33 years old. I can remember that far back. Uh, Annalie was one years old at the time. That's crazy to me. Uh, And I was in a little bit better shape Uh, than I am now. Now, I did get a compliment after service that I wasn't fishing for at the first one, but I would gladly take those where they're like, well, you know, you're not that out of shape, but I don't know if that's really a compliment, but I took it as one. (laughs) But when I arrived here, uh, I was, I was pretty young or at least still felt, uh, still felt young in my body. And uh, people would look at me and be like, I don't know if this guy can lead. And I would show my little daughter and be like, but isn't she cute? And they were like, yeah, I guess we'll let you stay and gave us a chance. But when I first got here, I was pretty active, participated in uh, some different athletic things and had an opportunity to play with a number of high school and college players from Sterling. And we would drive up to Sydney and we would play in this adult soccer league. And uh, then life got busy, and I kind of got out of, uh, out of that practice and kind of into different rhythms. And right about 40, I started feeling like the parts were falling off of the car, and I was getting a little bit motivated to try to get a tune-up in a sense. And, and my kids were like, hey, Dad, why don't you play soccer anymore? So they were kind of laying down the challenge gauntlet for me. And so I decided, man, I'm going to get back in shape, and I'm going to get into that city league. And so I knew enough to know that I was going to need much more than four weeks of a tune-up, and I I started about eight months in advance, and I started going to the gym, and I started working out a little bit, and I started having to remove some things from my schedule to make room for that. I had to remove some things from my diet to make room for that. I started having to add some things in, and slowly I began this transformation process of getting a little bit in shape. My knees wouldn't hurt when I'd bend over to tie my shoes anymore. I could get up and, and, you know, the aches and the pains were going and and I started feeling pretty good. And I I know that you're looking at me and you're thinking, yeah, but but what happened, right? (laughs) Like, we, clearly, it didn't continue, and it did not. Uh, by the time I got in shape, I was so excited for this. About four weeks out, they said, oh, well, we're canceling the season this year. And this was pre-COVID. They just decided they weren't going to have it. And then we had a COVID year, and let's be honest, we all went backwards during that year. And so this is, you get what you get, and that's where we're at. But I highlight that for you uh, to, to illustrate kind of the process of transformation. It's something that's easy and recognized in that kind of arena. And in our faith, in our journey with Jesus, as you grow into the man of God or the woman of God that you are created to be, 
there is transformation processes that you go, to, go through, but there's two different types. And oftentimes we don't differentiate between them. And because we don't, we end up either being stuck or we end up being frustrated. And the two types of transformation that we undergo has to do with instant transformation and process transformation. And so let me give you some examples that just comes out of our series being made new. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, right, when you're born again, when you uh, accept salvation, the language that you would use to indicate that, when you're saved, you are immediately a new creation. That's instant transformation. You immediately have new life in Christ. You immediately receive a new identity in Christ. All of those things are instant transformation. But we've also talked about some process transformation. If you remember the verse or the concept that we bumped into in the early weeks where Paul says to take off the old man and put on the new man. And sometimes the struggle that we have in being a new creation but still living as if we're not, that taking off the old and putting on the new, that is process transformation. And it's important for us to recognize that we need both of those things to take place in our life for us to ultimately be fruitful. And if we don't distinguish between the two, then we'll wrestle with either our identity isn't settled because I somehow wrestle and struggle with certain areas in my life, or it doesn't matter whether or not I'm actually getting better in the way that I live or aligned with the things of God because I've already have this settled and we can just go ahead and, and live as if we weren't saved in the first place. And so we're going to be looking at the process of transformation. Much of what we've talked about has been the instant, right? You're a new creation, you have new life, you've got a new identity in Christ. And this morning we're going to look at some, some process for how do I live my life as a result of that and how can I actually see forward progress or movement and fruitfulness at the end of that. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and get that out. You've got your smartphone or your tablet, open up your Bible app. If you don't have an app with a Bible on it, go ahead and download that now. Lord, we ask that you would give us soft hearts today to hear from you, Lord, to receive your word. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, and give us a courageous faith that will take steps this week to put into practice the truths of your word, but that we wouldn't do that in our own strength, that we would rely on your spirit and the work of Christ in us to see that become fruitful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. With your Bibles out, you can go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 12. That's going to be where we start this morning. And just as you're turning there and trying to figure out where we're going to be in that chapter, some of you like to try to get ahead. Let me just tell you, the, the portion of Scripture that we're going to look at right here, it's a little bit obscure. Okay, it's going to come a little bit out of left field. In fact, in, in Matthew chapter 12, you would need to read the whole chapter in context to really uh, see where this piece of scripture kind of fits in the whole of the conversation that's taking place here. But what is illustrated in it is the transformation process. And that's what we're going to glean out and be able to apply this morning. But I'm just giving you the heads up that this is going to sound a little bit weird as we get started. Just hang with me, put your seatbelts on, and I'll get you there in the process. So Jesus is speaking. He's teaching in... in um, that's the environment or the context that we find him in. He's getting some pushbacks by some religious leaders. There's some accusations there about who he is and, and how he's able to affect miracles and demonstrate the power of the kingdom of God. And so all of this is taking place at the same time. And Jesus is responding to that. 
And then he gets to this place where he levies uh, kind of an accusation, uh, but also an observation on the generation that he was dealing with there. And he really does speak to uh, the, the need for a change to take place. And so kind of with that, we'll jump right in. And we're going to start with verse 43, and it says this. He says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Now, before we move on here, I want to make sure that we understand what he's talking about. When he's talking about an impure spirit here, he's talking about a demonic presence. Okay, I told you it's coming, it's, it's obscure. We're coming out of left field here. He's not talking about the impure spirit of a person where, where they're just not aligned with the things of God or they're not saved. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a demonic presence here. And so he's kind of grabbing everybody's attention and they're drawing into, well, what is he going to talk about in this context? And so he says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking uh, rest and doesn't find it. And then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house, and he's speaking of the person here in this kind of parabolic context. It finds the house unoccupied, it's swept clean, and it's put in order. And then it goes, and it takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and they live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first that is how it will be with this generation. So he's talking about the generation that he was in at the time, and he's speaking an observation and a little bit of a corrective accusation towards them. And just so that you get a picture of kind of the, uh, the story that he's telling, it's, it's really like a, a person who has an unclean spirit in them, and they get evicted, right? right? You've got a, a bad tenant they get evicted, and then the house is set in order, and it's set up for new tenants, but no new tenant actually arrives. And then the person that was evicted goes and gets seven of his buddies and shows up and throws a rager in the home, and it's worse than it was before, okay? Everybody tracking with the concept here. And there's a few things that scholars, that theologians, that people who kind of study doctrine that they would unpack out of this as they're trying to figure out, like maybe you are, what is this saying about that? generation. And some of the ideas would be this, that, that the, the impure spirit that was expulsed, that that took place when those people heard John the Baptist call them to repentance, and they've repented, but they haven't chosen to follow Jesus, right? So they got clean, but they didn't do anything after that to have a new tenant. Some uh, theologians, some scholars would kind of look at this from a New Testament paradigm, kind of a little bit after Christ, and they would say what's being described here is somebody who has been liberated from darkness but hasn't been indwelled by the Holy Spirit. That's one of the ideas that they have kicked around. Some of them look at this in the concept of discipleship as being called to Jesus and responding to that but then not walking out uh, a discipleship process. And you actually, you see that in a number of places in scripture where Jesus says, come and follow me. And people offer excuses instead of actually following through on that invitation. All of those ideas have merit. All of those have some good thoughts and some scholarship behind them. But the point of the, the context is less about one of those answers and more about the principle of the kingdom that is behind it, and it is the process of transformation, that the kingdom principle is this, 
for you to come to Christ, to align your life with him, and then to live a life that is fruitful for the Lord and aligned with the plans and purposes God has for you to be a part of the kingdom of God, it will require two things. There are things in your life that need to be removed. Okay? There are things that need to be removed, expulsed. You need to get cleaned up. You need to be set in order. But there are also things that need to replace that. And most of the time, when we go about looking to see transformation in our lives, most of us, very earnest, very uh, sincere followers of Jesus, get stuck because we are only looking to either add good things or just remove bad things. And we don't ever actually go through transformation. We get it half right. So many earnest, sincere believers will look at their life, they'll allow the word of God to kind of render verdict, and they'll listen to the spirit of God, and they'll say, hey, you know what, I probably shouldn't live this way anymore. I shouldn't think like this, or I shouldn't have that be my priority. We've talked about our thoughts and our priorities the last couple of weeks. I should change this activity. Maybe these relationships need to go, and they look to remove yucky stuff from their lives, but they don't actually replace it with anything else. And so many of us have been in a place where we've tried to remove something from our life that we know needed to go, but then just after a series of time, what happens? Doesn't it kind of creep back in? This is uh, largely something that you could see vividly illustrated with like addictive behavior, where it's like, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. But something else doesn't replace the time or the energy, or the effort. It doesn't, there's something else that doesn't come in its stead. And so we spend all this time trying to keep it at a distance, and then it's just a matter of time until it creeps back in. The other thing that can happen really ends up in a place where we become performance-oriented, or we try to earn God's favor, or we end up being really, really religious and curmudgeon and that's where we're adding things, maybe good things. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to 10 Bible studies a week, and I'm only going to listen to worship music. You know, that's going to be the only music that I do. Or I'm, I'm going to just do this, or I'm going to just do that. But we don't actually adjust the rest of our life to it. We get really good at getting churchy. We get really good at, like, kind of being Jesus-y. But we don't actually get rid of the garbage in the house, and we end up in the same place. We're either stuck or frustrated as a result of that. Both of these things need to take place. It's not enough to simply remove things from your life. They have to be replaced. And in Ephesians chapter 4, this is what Paul is illustrating when he talks about the old man and the new man. And we bumped into this verse a little bit earlier in the series But in verse 22, Paul says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, be made new in the attitude of your mind. So we bumped into this concept when we were talking about aligning our thoughts or being made new in our thinking, be made new in the attitude of your mind and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so when when he's talking about kind of that day-to-day struggle, when he's talking about kind of the old you coming to the surface, and it's not really the you that you even want to be, when you, when you have kind of that old man like uh, expressing itself, coming back to the surface, like what is happening there? There's this 
push and pull in that transformation process that's being lived out in your life. Your identity is still secure. You certainly still have new life in Christ. You are a new creation. You have been instantly transformed by the work of Jesus in your life, but then there is also another transformation process. The churchy word is sanctification that you have to actually go through in order to make forward movement and to grow into fruitfulness in the things of the kingdom of God. There are things that have to be removed and things that need to be added for you to be fruitful. And a good question for us to kind of wrestle with, and we're going to do this for just a couple minutes, is this question. How, how do I know what to remove and how do I know what to add? Right? How do I know what to remove? How do I know what to add? Now, it can get really, really simple when it comes to yucky sin. Right? We don't actually need somebody to convince us of the things in our lives that really are breaking us and compounding brokenness. Like We can easily uh, see that. Like If there's rancid trash in the house, you don't actually even have to see it to smell it. And there is certainly things like that, that yucky stuff that needs to go. And that's oftentimes easy to identify, maybe sometimes hard for us to do, but it's easy to identify. But then there's other things that have to be removed for me to grow and to be fruitful. Sometimes good things because they're in the way of great things. This has to do with the pruning concept towards fruitfulness. But there's times where I have to make a decision between competing priorities and both of them are priorities. Sometimes you have multiple opportunities and each one of those you could honor the Lord and you could care for others. So how do you differentiate between those things? Sometimes it has to do with just your allotment of time. What are you going to do with that? And kind of the limitedness of your resource, the finiteness of your person. One of the things that I was growing as a leader, uh, somebody spoke to me about, was the danger between yeses and nos. And not just saying yes to the right things and no to the, to the right things in that sense, but that there's this dichotomy at play. Every yes comes with a no. Every yes comes with a no. So if you make a financial decision and you're just like, as long as I got money, I'm just going to say yes, there will come a point where you don't actually have the money to say yes to something that you would prefer. Every yes comes with a no, with time, with relationships, with finances. And so just the finiteness of our resource comes into play as well. How do we know what to remove? How do we know what to replace? And now the, the starting point, the churchy point, right, which you would expect from me, we, we have the Holy Spirit, we have the Word of God, and we spend time in prayer. And certainly that is a great starting point. It's certainly one that will expose the yucky sins, the stinky stuff, the quickest. You know, all you have to do is open the Word of God and it presents a mirror, right? That's what James says, and it can give an honest assessment and we can move forward in that, but how do, you, how do you address other things? How do you address uh, kind of the nuances of trying to get a healthy relationship with your spouse or with your kids or with your coworkers? How do you address two good options? How do you weigh opportunities? How do you hear and distinguish from the Lord? What about things inside that you're not really sure what the problem is? You just know that there's a problem. What do you do with that? What if you've got a thought process that is Constantly one that is working against you, undermining your relationships or leading you towards a place of a devaluation of yourself or, or leaning towards self-harm. Like, what do you do with those things when you know that they're not helpful, that you know that they're not fruitful, but you don't know what to do in spite of those things? 
They've got to be removed, but they have to be replaced. And sometimes we can do that with just, we're going to read our Bible and we're going to pray really hard and then we're just going to give it a go. But oftentimes, listen, oftentimes we need others to be part of that. I've been pretty open and transparent with you guys over the last year and a half uh, of the difficulties of being a pastor and a leader during kind of restrictions and the upheaval in the world, and in particularly last fall when we lost a number of our church families to death and the number of funerals that I had to do at rapid succession, and not just people whose names that I knew or faces that I recognized, but very, very dear friends. And when I came out of that season, what I realized was that there was stuff inside of me that needed to get out, but I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to process it. I knew all the scriptures, and I certainly was earnest in prayer, but there was, I was stuck in some things. And so I, I asked for help. Pastor Beth and I spoke with some people uh, who deal with grief counseling, and they helped unpack some of those things as we were facing challenges in leading an organization within kind of all of the restrictions and upheavals. We went and we talked uh, to leaders who could speak into those things. We actually need people to be part of our transformation process. It's actually, it's required for the fruitfulness at the end. And so there is a need at times to get counsel. There is a need to have pastoral care. There is a need to find somebody who can coach you through this area of life. And for a long time, that was seen as lacking faith. I don't know when you've come into church life and what your exposure to those things have been, but I've been in the church my whole life, and I've been in ministry for all of my adult life. And for a large part of that, if you looked for help, if you tried to get counsel or coaching or something like that, it was seen as if your faith didn't work. And so now you're just, well, you're just going to go to the world. No, you're not. You're going to go to godly men and women who are inspired by the Spirit of God to do the work of God in the world. And they're going to encourage you, as Scripture says, and they're going to bear your burdens like Scripture says. Then you're going to move forward into fruitfulness. And can I tell you, it actually takes more faith to take that step of inviting vulnerability to go through that process than it does to somehow resist it. You had a chance to hear from Pastor Cameron. He did our next steps this morning, and he introduced himself as our Connections Pastor. If you've been a part of our church for the last number of years, you know that that's a new thing that he just recently stepped into that Connections Pastor role. Pastor Bob has been our Connections Pastor since we started the Connect Hub, and he was doing an awesome job doing that. But one of the things that we recognized is that we needed to be able to care for one another and to offer that care as a church family. And so in the last year and a half, Pastor Bob has moved from being a Connections Pastor to a Care Pastor. And he's building a team that offers pastoral care, and he's building a team that can offer counsel and can meet with people one-on-one. -on -one. We're looking to integrate our uh, uh, Suzanne and the prayer station and that team into being able to pray for freedom and to pray for healing in people's lives and see rapid growth, transformation moving forward. And those are all leaders that when I've been at a sticking place, when I didn't really know what to do and I wasn't sure how to navigate, those are all leaders who I went and met with, who I asked for prayer, who I sought out and said, can you you helped me find a way forward, and it made such a difference. And I, I share that with you this morning because I think that you need to hear that. I think that you need to be infirmed in that, that it's okay to ask somebody to journey with you as you 
find your way forward and allow that interaction to begin to bring some transformation. Not because that person somehow has the ability or the power to create transformation in your life, but that they can shoulder that burden and walk you forward as you move closer to Jesus and discern your way forward. And as a church family, one of the rhythms that we have is we've got connect groups that really offer a a growth in community. We've got equipping classes that offer discipleship growth in kind of class modules. And if you know the rhythm of our church, we offer those things from September to May. And we take the summer off to have a little bit of space and rest and breathing space and to allow people to have different rhythms of health in their families and to feel like they can kind of have a a, a break uh, in a sense. But this summer, we are going to offer one equipping class. And this equipping class is called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Pastor Bob, our care pastor, and his wife, Kimberly, are going to lead this class. And it is the, uh, uh, the one thing that I know that can help us move forward in transformation. If you've got a place in your life where you're frustrated or where you're stuck and you're trying to discern your way forward, this would be a great way to get involved. If you can be in person at the classes, you'll probably get the most out of it, but it is structured so that you can actually engage as you are able, and there would be a way for those in our online community to participate as well. And I just throw this out here because we have uh, uh, aligned this class. It wasn't a part of this uh, sermon series, and it wasn't even really on the radar. It's come up in the last five to six weeks, but it's something that we want to make sure that you are aware of, and it'll be through the summer starting in July. There's plenty of time. But it will be a class that will help you process how to remove things that need to go away and how to replace them with the right things and how to do that with discernment. And Before we get done this morning, I want to give you just a very quick example of what it looks like to put something away and put something in. And since we've talked about our minds and our thoughts and we've talked about our priorities, I'm going to stay just kind of in that purview so that it's familiar. But in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we touched on this verse uh, a few weeks ago. It says that we are not to conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. If you remember that in PK's Message 2 Corinthians says something a little bit similar where we are to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So particularly if you're wrestling in kind of your thoughts and in your mind and the way that you're viewing the world and your perspective and those things need to be corrected and changed. So what do you do? Like we're, we're told, hey, you got to pay attention to this area. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul gives some direction on what to replace those thoughts with. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, starting in verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I would add if, if anything's awesome, if it's rad, if it's, you know, super cool, like I, that would have been my language. Paul was a little bit better, a little bit, you know, more proficient there. But think about those things. And I love what he does here. He doesn't say, don't think about this. He says, think about this. Have you found this to be true in your thought life, that when you've had a thought that you've been wrestling with that you know needs to go, and you think, I'm not going to think that anymore. 
I'm not going to think that anymore. Nope, I'm not going to think like that. Even though as I'm thinking about not thinking about that, I'm reminding myself of what I was thinking about. And so I'm still technically thinking about it, but I'm not letting it have the same amount of power. You know what? Maybe I should just think about something else. That's what Paul is saying. Think about something else. And I love how like practical that is. Many times we're stuck because we are putting something out of the house. We're trying to keep it out, but we're not replacing it with something else. If you take an old couch out of your apartment and you put it out on the curb, but you don't buy a new piece of furniture, it's only a little bit of time before you're inconvenienced enough to think, hmm, that couch wasn't so bad. Yes, it was. The reason why it's still out on your curb two or three days later in Sterling is because that couch was real bad because stuff disappears off the street like this here if it's got any value at all. And you all know this to be true. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 3 says this, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, right? Don't just remove, replace in your thoughts and in other areas of need in your life. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. I love this verse because it at the same time reinforces both types of transformation. Because you are raised in Christ, and as it closes, because you are hidden in Christ, because those things are secure, because you're a new creation, you've got new life, you have a new identity, because those things are absolutely certainly secure, make the change. Remove this, add this. Remove this, add this. Allow the Holy Spirit to do that in you this week. Allow the Word of God to bring that type of correction. And as much as possible, invite others to be a part of encouraging you in that as well. Allow them to be part of your journey. If you would stand this morning, we're going to close by doing what we were encouraged to do, and that is to set our mind on things above. And so as we do that, we're going to turn our eyes to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and close your eyes as a way of just limiting distractions. And I want to give you a few questions to ask and just kind of process maybe with the Lord. And the first question is this, what needs to be removed from your life? Maybe it's a thought pattern. We've talked about those the last couple of weeks. Maybe it's a rearrangement of your priorities. We talked about that last week. Maybe it's uh, something uh, internal. Maybe it's external. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's a habit or a pattern or a lifestyle. Maybe it's a pursuit. Maybe it's a goal. Maybe it's something good, but it's just a little bit misaligned from the grain that Jesus has for you. What what needs to be removed from your life? And would you release that? Would you surrender that? Would you give it up? Would you throw it out? What needs to replace those things? Maybe you've been doing some deep work with Jesus. Maybe he's been cleaning house, but you haven't replaced the things that have been removed. You're trying to break kind of an unhealthy habit, but you're not trying to form a new healthy one. 
Maybe you're trying to, to move out an old priority, but you haven't established a new one. You haven't, haven't made the transformation trade. What needs to replace those things? And then who might you need to help you? Certainly the Holy Spirit and certainly Jesus does the transformation work in us. But maybe you're in a place where you're frustrated and you're stuck and you need to ask somebody to journey with you. Maybe you need to meet with a pastor. Maybe you need to get some counsel. Maybe you need to to find somebody to coach you through those moments. Would you be willing to be vulnerable to that? And maybe before any of that can take place, what you really need is to say yes to Jesus. See, because even this process of transformation, of remove and replace, it doesn't work without Jesus. If you start with that, you'll have self-help. and That can exact a little bit of fruit for a short amount of time, but will always be limited by you and your brokenness. With every eye closed, just out of consideration, if there's anybody here who knows that they need to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you need to say yes to Jesus today. You haven't done that before. Maybe that's you at home. Scripture says that if you believe and confess, if you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, if you confess that he is Lord, that you will be saved. You could do that right now. You could say yes to Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would do that, seal that work in us. And as we go out this week, let us rest in confidence of the transformation that has been instant in our life, that we are a new creation, that we have new life, that we have a new identity. And Lord, help us to have a new purpose and resolve to walk through the processes of transformation where we need to remove and replace as we walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Smartphone or tablet, you can snap a picture of the action steps or you can catch them online this week. First one is as you're going through your day-to-day, continue to consider things that maybe need to be removed. Allow Jesus to clean house. Uh, Number two, while you're doing that, consider what needs to be moved in, what needs to replace them. And then number three, begin to prayerfully consider signing up for emotionally healthy spirituality. Have a great week.